Jim Shoemaker and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securion Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. It's a common concern in almost everybody we talk to, especially families. It's always about money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, we're a fortunate today. I mean, we have a guest that uh, is going to help us make decisions when it comes to buying a house. Now, reality is it's a seller's market right now. I mean, you know, you go in at 8 o'clock to think you're going to buy a house, and it's like somebody's back there working the numbers, and it's clicking, and it's going, and if you're not back by noon, the house is gone, and you have to make all kinds of decisions, and I don't know if you're like I am. I like to look and kind of kick the tires and walk around and think about it and pray about it, and then I come back in a couple of days. Well, If you're trying to buy a house today, that is difficult, and you probably are going to lose out. So we have today with us from Community Mortgage Corporation, Lee Weffel. Lee, welcome to the program, sir. Uh, I appreciate it, Jim. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm glad, man. Now, you've written a book, Lee, called Own Your Own Home Without It Owning You. It's called The Mortgage Book, Own Your Own Home Without It Owning You. What prompted you to write a book? I'm excited about that. Well, after being in the mortgage business for a few years, I got fixated on the fact that people had a pretty big misconception about how to structure mortgage loans. Mortgage loan officers had commoditized the business and were just order takers, and I wanted to get into more detail for my clients and everyone out there about integrating your mortgage into your overall financial plan. That's a, that's a, you know, to me, that's a tremendous idea. And I think it's the thought process that a lot of people need to understand because really one of the biggest decisions, if not the biggest decision, in fact, in the third half of the program this week, third half, can I say it that way? No, I guess that's in the third, third of today's program. We're going to talk about probably the other, you know, the important decision you make is retirement, but buying a home and Lee, don't you find that to be probably one of the biggest decisions a person makes, if not the biggest? Oh, yeah. People put so much time and fixate so much on managing their assets that they don't think about managing their liabilities in the same way. So that's, again, kind of what prompted me to write that book because people were looking at how they manage their liabilities in a completely different way and not actually integrating it in with how they were currently managing their assets. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Tor, let's peel the onion back and look through this. Let's go through some of the ideas of what you consider to be the, the kind of the way to go through a pre-approval process. Now, let me make sure I understand a pre-approval. I'm, I'm, my wife and I have decided to buy a house. We're now going to go through this process of getting pre-approved so I know what kind of house I'm going to buy or how much house. Help me go through that process. Well, you hit the nail on the head in your introduction talking about how it's a seller's market. So the first thing that people need to realize is they need to get pre-approved a decent amount of time ahead of when they're actually looking to purchase a home. I usually recommend doing that about a month before you're actually looking to finalize your purchase contract on any property. So the steps involved with the pre-approval is 
usually someone reaches out to a loan officer like myself. They've been referred to me by a realtor, financial planner like yourself, um, insurance agent, so on and so forth. And I tell them how we go about getting pre-approved. The first step in that is actually completing a mortgage application. Um, I prefer to have my clients go online. They complete the application at their pace, things like name, date of birth, social, where do you live, where do you work, all that good stuff. Once the application is completed, I pull a credit report, analyze the credit report, look for anything that could be a hurdle down the road, and then I uh, request a specific set of documentation from that home buyer. That set of documentation will include things like pay stubs, W-2s, tax returns, Social Security award statements if someone is retired and receiving Social Security, um, pension award statements if someone is receiving a pension. Um, We also need to document the assets that are going to be utilized for down payment through brokerage account statements, checking account statements, saving account statements, so on and so forth. Once the home buyer provides all that information to a loan officer, we do our due diligence. We go through all that documentation with a fine-tooth comb. Again, we're looking for any possible hurdles that could be an issue down the road. And at that point in time, we run their file through an automated underwriting system, and that automated underwriting system comes back and lets us know how much we can pre-approve that home buyer for. Again, this needs to be done way ahead of time. You do not want to be in a situation where you're out there putting an offer in on a property, but you haven't done your due diligence, and you're not able to provide what's called a pre-approval letter to the seller and the listing agent accompanying your offer to buy that property. You know, and I know no one listening would ever think about buying a house without going through that pre-approval. I mean, I know no one, no one suffers from that disease that I got early on in in college. I think it's where it really manifested called procrastination. I I guess nobody thinks about doing that. So everybody's getting pre-approved. Everybody's ready. So if you're listening, what is, uh, you know, Lee telling us? Get pre-approved. It's a seller's market. You do not want to be thinking about buying. Can I get what I want? Can I get approved? Get that done first. Then go look. What do you think about interest rates, Lee? Lee, is it, are well, the interest rates on, going crazy? Yeah, they've been on the rise pretty steady for about the last three, three and a half weeks. I personally think they're going to continue to rise for a little bit longer. Um, we'll see if the Fed steps in and does anything to, to halt the, that increase in rate. Um, but historically speaking, we're still dealing with great interest rates. Everyone kind of got um, you know spoiled with your 30-year fixed in the mid to low 2% range. Um, and now that everything's crept back over 3%, um, people think they're getting the raw end of the deal there. But historically speaking, we're still dealing with absolutely wonderful interest rate options. And that's just a matter of you doing the shopping for them to help them figure out exactly which rate should work for them. So when you talk about that, how how do you, when a person is refinancing, I read an article recently from the Federal Reserve Bank that 13% of the mortgages last year were refinanced in 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, amazing statistic. So when you talk about refinancing, is it too late? Is, you know, are you saying to, it's too high now? Oh, no, it depends on everyone's specific situation. And that's, that's again, a misconception out there. Depends on your specific situation. Where are you currently at with your interest rate? What loan program are you currently in? 
What's your current equity position? And the biggest factor there is how long do you actually plan on staying in the loan that you would be refinancing into? There's costs associated with refinancing. So even if you can drop your interest rate drastically, but you're not planning on being in that home for more than a few months after you refi, there's really no financial gain from doing so. You know, when you talk about that, though, there's so many moving parts. We've got about 30 seconds. Tell me what you think. Is it worth putting 20% down on a house? Is that going to make a big difference in the mortgage payment? And is that really something that everybody has to save money for? Just a few seconds here. Uh, Honestly, no, I'm not a huge believer. If you've got the cash and it's not going to put you in a situation where your liquid funds are drastically depleted, then, yeah, you could possibly save some money by avoiding private mortgage insurance by putting 20% down. But there's a lot of situations where I recommend people don't put 20% down, keep their cash reserves up, and yes, deal with a little bit higher mortgage payment. But when you're talking about these historically low interest rates, it really doesn't impact the payment that much. That's great advice. Lee Weffel, he has written the book, The Mortgage Book, Own Your Own Home Without It Owning You. When we come back after the break, he's going to tell us some very specific things that people do they, that go wrong. I mean, they just you need to not do them, and he's going to lay them out for us so you don't want to go away. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money here on KWAM, the mighty 990, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My guest is Lee Weffel. He has written a book, The Mortgage Book, Own Your Home Without It Owning You. Boy, that's a great advice. Can we pick that book up, Lee, on Amazon, I guess? Oh, yeah, it's available on Amazon. Perfect. Amazon.com, the book again, The Mortgage Book, Own Your Own Home Without It Owning You. Well, that leads me in, Lee, to ask you this question. People, I know, I mean, you know, this is a big decision. It becomes an emotional decision. You like this. You think this. All of these things. So what do people need to be looking at when they're taking out a mortgage? What keeps, what What do they do wrong? What mistakes do we make? Help us understand that. Well, the biggest error that I see home buyers make when they're looking at taking out a mortgage loan is fixating solely on the interest rate and not looking at their overall plan for how long they're going to be in that house. It's always a balance between closing costs and interest rates. I tell all my clients, we can go lower on the rate, but it's going to cost you more up front. So you've got to run certain software and equations to make sure that the interest rate that you are choosing to go with actually integrates into your plan for how long you're going to be in that mortgage loan. If you want to pay an extra $5,000 at closing to achieve a lower interest rate, you obviously can do that. But if it's only dropping your monthly payment by $40, how long is it going to take you to make up that upfront cost 
with the monthly payment savings associated with the interest rate option that you went with. So that's the biggest mistake that I see home buyers make on a daily basis is just fixating on interest rates. All of us are working with really close interest rate options. All these loans get sold to the same place. So if you're shopping around for a mortgage lender and just fixating on interest rate, you need to take a step back and make sure that that mortgage lender is actually attempting to integrate your mortgage plan into your overall financial plan and how long you plan on being in that home. You know, when you say that, and I so much appreciate you mentioned this earlier, and we kind of skimmed right over the top, that all the, you know, years ago, mortgage people kind of got commoditized, you, you shopped interest rates. Is this what you're talking about, changing the fixation on that, changing the mind, thinking of the long term? I mean, you mentioned at one point trying to play the market when it comes to interest rates. You lock it. You, you're almost like you're, what's this morning? What's it tomorrow? You know, that kind of thing. Is that, I mean, this is an issue that a lot of people really do make big mistakes with. Oh, yeah. I get so many calls every week with people just mm. asking, what's your interest rate today? Mm. There's so many products out there that have different rate options. And again, it's always a balance between your closing costs and the interest rate. So when people call, I can, I can throw out any interest rate if I wanted to, but you got to dig deeper and see how much you're actually paying to achieve that interest rate. Then you can look at, is it worth it? Could I take these dollars and put them to use somewhere else and end up in a better financial situation? It's about working with someone that understands how to properly structure mortgage loans based on your specific scenario. That's the most important part. Boy, that's the that's the advice that I wanted to hear. Bottom line is you're going to be buying a house this year. It is a seller's market. Get with your real estate agent. Get the professional mortgage guy like like we're talking to, Lee Weffel. He's with Community Mortgage. Lee, it is so important because it is one of the biggest financial decisions anybody is going to make. They think that if they've done it once, they oh, it's no, I have no problem. You're telling them, spend some time, get somebody that you can trust. You're going to do your homework to help them make a good decision. The book, The Mortgage Book, Own Your Home Without It, owning you. Lee, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for your information, sir. I appreciate it. You guys have a great rest of the day. You too, man. Well, you know, again, I said it's a, it's a big decision that you have to make. And if you're going to be buying a house, I mean, Lee helps you drive that through. But here's the question that we seem to get when it comes to investing. A lot of people ask this question, and the reality is it's a question that, is, I mean, it's an, I get it. What does, here's the question, what does an investment manager do? Now, that's a, a guy that's managing stocks and bonds. I mean, we've had so much noise about that in the last three months. Everybody's saying, well, I can do this, I can do this. But I thought it would be very important for you, our listener, to be able to listen to a professional that's been doing this longer than 30 days and doesn't do it out of his kitchen sink. This is a guy that knows the business has done it. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners. His name, and he's a frequent guest of ours, Rusty Leonard. Welcome to the program, sir. Okay, we got a little technical problem. We just, we'll come back. I tell you what, we're going to come back. I tell you what let's do. 
Because Rusty, we just we had him there, and we'll come back with him in a second. We'll fix that. I have in the studios, and what we'll do is we'll pick up and move. I want to I want to ask David Rochester. I mentioned this earlier, David. We were talking about, in fact, I talk about a lot. We were talking about retirement planning. And what I would like to do is dive into that with you because so many people ask the questions about what do I need to be doing with retirement. And a lot of times it's like everybody's going, I don't even know the questions to ask. You know what I'm saying? So help us with that. Let's dive into that common sense idea. Tell us the first thing that people need to think about when it comes to retirement planning. I'm going to touch on a couple of things, Jim. And first of all, thank you for having me today. I think they need to crunch their numbers. Get an idea for what their expenses are going to look like in retirement. It's some mirror image of what they're currently spending on a regular basis. What their assets look like in terms of their 401k, their savings, their investments, their uh, CDs, whatever they got in terms of investments for their retirement. And then what are their liabilities? It was interesting what uh, what Lee was talking about is, you know, what's their mortgage liability? What what are other liabilities they have that are going to need to be covered? So there's a lot that goes into just preparing for that. Then they need to consider resources. So where's income going to come from? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, one of the major sources for two-thirds of retirees is Social Security income. And yet many people have never studied what their Social Security benefits are going to be and how to structure those once they retire. So it makes sense to start preparing for how your income's gonna come in. Social Security, pension benefits, if you're fortunate enough to have a pension when you retire. And then do you need to adjust your pension for a potential survivorship issue if the primary uh, pensioner were to pass away early. So there's just a lot that goes into that process for preparing for retirement. And it's not something you make the decision right before you retire. Huh, no kidding. But but we haven't, I told you about that disease I suffer from called procrastination. Nobody else has that. Yeah, you're, I, you you're, know, it's you're amazing. the only I one, ta- Jim. I, I talk to people all the time. They don't even know what I'm talking about. But I'm really good at it. I have a PhD in that. But according <laughs> to my college professors, I was really good at procrastination. I think we could all admit to that if we're honest. Well, you know, now what we're talking about, uh, David, we have a little technical problem. They're fixing it. They're going to have that. And we'll have Rusty on here in a few minutes. But but I appreciate you being in the studios already because you were in that last part of the show. But I really think it's important people know. When we have so many baby boomers that are headed into retirement, you're a retirement income certified professional. So I really wanted to be able to kind of help that. And you put us through the process when you think about it, suitable investments, knowing about what you're doing as far as Social Security. But I find sometimes that that we get kind of locked in what our neighbor has done or maybe what the guys at the office has done or at the plant or everybody else, and we don't think about what we need to do. Do you see that in your practice? Absolutely, and I think you, you bring up a very valid point is we need to think about how we can tailor our circumstances and our resources for our own successful retirement. And not to procrastinate, it's easy to do. We, we always think we've got tomorrow or next year to start evaluating this. As we know, the earlier you can start putting plans in motion and evaluating things, it's much easier to adjust than waiting to the last minute to have to make a hard turn. And that's, that's the last, did I hear that? Last minute. Last minute. Last minute. That's better than saying procrastination. <laughs> well, I was trying okay. to be kind. All right. You talked a little bit about Social Security. I really think... When you talk about it being, you know, the sooner or later, 
that it, you know when we I want to come back in a few minutes and really help our listening audience understand the idea behind Social Security plays an integral part to everybody. It's kind of that base part. It is. You're exactly right, and it's it's something that some people think. Well, I don't, I'm not going to get it, but it needs to be part of your planning, whether you choose not to evaluate that portion or not. But plan for it. There's some very critical things that need to be evaluated, and as we will use the term irrevocable. If you make the wrong decision, then you can't go back and change it very easily. So it's very important that, you, that the timing of how you okay, take Okay, that's security. critical. You can't go back and change. So you need to be thinking about that, and that's critical you know, to do that. So let's come back in a few minutes. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're with us today. We're at Talk Money, and that's what we're doing. We're talking about retirement planning, and we're talking with a very good guest of ours, a guy that's always does a wonderful job, David Rochester. He is a retirement income certified professional. And David, you were talking earlier about Social Security, knowing that that's a vital part of anybody's retirement plan, making sure that you're you know taking it properly and doing the things like that. But let me ask you this. So many people, and we get so many questions about the fact that what should I do with my 401k? The market is up, the, you know, this and this. Should I be getting out of the stock market? Should I get be getting into the, you know, into the bond market? We're not going to try to decide what investments for them to make today. But what I want to know is managing the retirement portfolio for someone as they have already retired, Is that does that become the main thing for them to do? Or is it just a sidebar? Is what, what do you consider to be the most important thing once a person's retired? Well, I would say the most important thing is to make sure they have enough income to at least meet their basic expense needs. So having income, Social Security, pensions, whatever that is. Um, and, and yes, it can be complicated. So I guess here's the example. Do you want to wing it or do you want to be certain? And the more certain you are, the less stressful you're going to be in retirement. The, the less you're going to be happier. You know, back in decades ago, generations ago, people had very healthy pensions and Social Security, and they learned to live off of that. They didn't worry about investments that much because people didn't have investments. They had money in the bank and CDs, things that paid interest rates when we were a much higher interest rate environment. You didn't have to worry about total return, using your principal to support your retirement. It was just income came in. And, you know, in my experience, those people tend to be pretty happy. I saw that with family, with clients, where they have income coming in, and they don't really – it's not that they don't worry about the markets, but they don't stress out about it. That's a great point. So now, you know, with 401k, it's pushed a lot of people to making selections of what their portfolio is made up of, whether it's stocks, bonds, or cash. The reality is you're saying if they look at this and have some kind of income stream, back to my Social Security thought, that's an income stream, and they can work some way of taking their 401k and making it an income stream, they usually 
as you said, happier life, less stressful, more confident. They're not worried too much about the market. That makes a lot of sense. I think confidence is a great word to use. You know, having just the ability to 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 feel good about what you've done. You've worked hard your entire life, and now it's time to enjoy it, whatever that may look like. It may be you continue to work just, you know, because you enjoy working in whatever fashion that may be. But at the end of the day, knowing you've got enough income coming in to meet your needs. Well, the key word there is knowing you've got it to meet your needs. Now, does it take a lot of money to have a successful retirement? I mean, you know, if a guy's you know, driving an 80-foot yacht, you know, his retirement plan's different than me who's driving a Volkswagen. But the reality is what is it, what's it take to have a successful retirement? Yes. To answer your question, I think it takes a lot of money, but a lot of money is relative to everybody's situation. So somebody that's got an 80-foot yacht, it's going to take a lot more money than the average American. Uh, but at the end of the day, yes, it can be complicated. There's a lot of decisions to make. You know, how you mentioned earlier, how do you allocate your assets between stocks and bonds and income-generating uh, types of you know investments and so forth. So how do you do that? What about tax decisions? You know, when do you where do you start taking your money from first? Do you take it from your your four hundred and one k money, your IRAs, your your bank accounts? Where does that come from? And how do you, how much do you withdraw each year? So I think that's real important. If we're not careful, we can overspend in the earlier years and then later not have enough. And we even could potentially be dependent on other people or on. Um, you know, things we don't want to be dependent on, quite frankly, whether that's government subsidies. or So how many, I mean, when you're talking to someone, again, I'm talking with David Rochester. He is a retirement income certified professional. David, when you're talking to someone and you're helping them understand, how long do you think, you know, they retire at 65. A lot of people do 66, 70. How long do you tell them that they need to be thinking about this income stream you're talking about? I would tell them at least 30 years. And I know that seems That's like a long, long that is a long time because 30 years could be longer than some people ever worked. Right. You think by the time they got college degree, maybe even a you know, doctorate, whatever that may be, they worked almost or not quite as long as they retired sometimes. I mean, people are living into their hundreds now, Jim, and we see it, you know, they used to celebrate it when you if you lived hundred years old, it it was all over the news. You don't even hardly get recognition for that anymore. It's eh, 115, 113, 112. Who would imagine people would live that long? So 30 years may be too conservative. We might need to be thinking even longer, but I would say 30 years. So life expectancy, we just have to understand that. Medical breakthroughs, just our lifestyles pushing us out. So you're saying it takes that much. You keep saying the need. Do you find people really know what they need in retirement, or is this a struggle? I think it's a struggle. They haven't considered some things. And I'll use as an example. When people turn 65, then they are they qualify for Medicare. Medicare is a source of their health insurance coverage. There's other things that come along with that, but what's the natural tendency? Well, when I'm 65, I'm going to go on the Medicare plan. It's probably cheaper than what I have through my work, or, or I'm just going to go ahead and retire then. So naturally, I just turn on Social Security. Well, that's, that's not a one-in-the-same decision. And also, just because you retire doesn't mean you have to start taking Social Security immediately. You may decide, and it might be a good study, to determine that you should delay taking your Social Security benefits and use other resources when you retire to, to get a higher payout later. That makes a lot of sense. What about health care costs? You mentioned it. It's, it is expensive. Nursing home? Yeah, nursing home. You know, we use the term long-term care because most of us don't want to volunteer to go to a nursing home. We'd rather stay in our own home or be close to family or our pets or our TV remote or whatever the case may be. But it is a real cost, and it can 
potentially deplete retirement resources. So I think you've got to take that into consideration should you investigate some type of insurance program. I think you need to also keep in mind, what about your life insurance you had and your health insurance, all that? Well, that makes a lot of sense. You're talking about questions to get answered before you retire. My guest, David Rochester, he is a retirement income certified professional. If you'd like to talk to David, it's 901-757-5757. David, I mean, this is just common sense, but yet... It's difficult because we approach that. It's as much of a financial decision, yes, but it's a psychological decision also. You're exactly right. And so we've got to think about what are we going to do in retirement? So I've worked all these years. What's next? What's going to fill my time? Uh, Am I going to volunteer? Am I going to enjoy my hobbies I always wanted to enjoy? I'm going to call you back. We'll have something. We'll talk about that because that's tough for a lot of people to make that decision. I know you have to do a lot of counseling and a lot of guidance for people. That's a great point. Retirement Income Certified Professional David Rochester. When we come back, we have made that, fixed all the little technical difficulties. Rusty Leonard is going to answer the question that you ask, what does an investment manager do? I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Securion Financial Services Incorporated nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners Investment Council Incorporated, Lee Wellfell or Community Mortgage. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard and Lee Wellfell only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securion Financial Services Incorporated or Shoemaker Financial. And welcome back. What does an investment manager do? We're talking about the guy that's uh, buying stocks and bonds. And as I mentioned earlier, we before we had a little technical difficulties, he's not the guy that's buying in stocks and bonds at the kitchen table. This is the guy that goes through all the analytics, top to bottom, bottom to top, and makes it a very educated decision and thinks about what he's doing for the client long term and making decisions what he's doing for the t- today. And so... I'm very privileged, we're very privileged to have with us today Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners. His question is, what does an investment manager do? Rusty, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim. As always, it's a pleasure to be with you. What what does? I mean, you know, it sounds like this fascinating career. It sound, I mean, I know you've been doing it a long time, and but, but every day, I mean, you've got to listen to the news. What does an investment manager do? Well, you're basically you're an information junkie, right? You're <laughs> you're mainlining information <laughs> into your veins all the time, trying to get an edge, right? Trying to be ahead of the market, which is a pretty hard thing to do, and, uh, and trying to process that information in a way that uh, will result in superior long-term performance for your clients. And uh, it's a challenging effort. Obviously, the way information flows around has changed greatly over the years. And there's just so much and so many different venues and so much of it is fake news. And, you know, you got to sort through all that. It's uh, quite a challenging job. But, you know, I wouldn't, I can't uh, complain about it. It's uh, actually, it's quite fun, right? You're involved in everything that everything that's going on in the world, whether it's fake news or real news, is important. And you've got to sort through it and figure it out and try to position your clients' portfolios in a way that will uh, you know, optimize the, the result. It's obviously impossible to do on a consistent basis. You can't win all the time. 
because one of the reasons is because as we've seen in the last year, the market can just be irrational. There's an old old saying in our business: the market can stay crazy longer than you can stay liquid. <laughs> so and that's a justification for never shorting the market. Oh, yes. And uh, so you know th- those are some of the issues that uh, we face. Uh, you're going to be wrong some of the times. You know that in advance, but you're just trying to be right more often than not. Well, you know, 2020 was very unique. I mean, we had this enormous amount of information flowing back and forth a lot. And you mentioned it, whether it's fake news or real. But really, the situation that we saw was just volatile. Uh, is I, I like the term bit crazy, maybe. Even to the point, as I said when I was introducing you, some investors were making investments from the kitchen table. Now, I'm not opposed to that. That's not That's not the point. But how do you manage all of that information that, that seems to be just absurd at times, and yet you know it's infecting prices. It's affecting the market. What, what's your take on that? Well, you just, you just keep plowing along. You, know, you plow, plow, plow. You put your uh, shoulder to the, to the plow and keep going. And uh, you, you learn on the fly. It's kind of like building an airplane while you're flying it. And you've you know, you got to constantly make adjustments. Uh, because the the way the information, uh, the the actual information itself, the way you receive it, the timing frame in which you receive it, in which others are receiving it, all these things play a factor. One of the in terms of the craziness of 2020, it was one of the craziest years I've experienced in my 42 year investing career. In 2020, I mean, we just had things that are just impossible happen over and over and over again last year, where we had uh, Hertz's uh, bankrupt company stock being bid up 700 percent by people who didn't know what they were doing. We had oil prices trading at negative thirty-seven dollars a barrel. Uh, you know, then we had a bull, a, a you know, bull market bubble in the midst of one of the worst uh, quarters for economic growth since the Great Depression. So, I mean, we just had stuff happening last year that was off the charts, loony, and trying to. Uh, so, it was a very challenging year for most professional money managers last year. So, if you, if uh, your listeners have a professional money manager there, they, they should extend as much grace as they could <laughs> can to them. For the, what happened in 2020, but things do seem to be coming a little bit back to normal. We've seen uh, some of the the bubble essentially start to burst, and uh, and stocks that were overlooked are now getting treated more fairly. And so I'm hopeful that we're coming back to a little bit more rationality in the uh, weeks and months and years ahead. All right, that leads me. I think that leads me to this question, and I think it's important. Information, I mean, which do you think is more important, that information and data that we talk about that on the economy or information and data on individual stocks and, and bonds? I mean, I guess so many, so many times people say, well, I think this stock's going to do this, and yet the economy, which do you look at? Is it the economy or is it the stock and bonds? I think it's both. I don't think you can, you know, say it's this or that. I mean, uh, testing, you know, back testing and, and Various academics have done studies of this, and they always conclude that just getting the economy right and getting interest rates right and things like that, the, what is known as the macro picture, if you get those things right, your chances of success are much higher. But you know, it's hard to disagree with the fact that if you are really good at picking stocks, that you're going to have a, a much better shot at doing much better than the market would do. Uh, so if you're very good and, and are, you have the time to devote to it and can find those those stocks that are you know, just going to succeed over the long term, uh, much more so than the average stock, then you have a very, very good chance of outperforming the market. It's just that it's hard work to do that. And there's so many, again, so many moving parts 
that even when you have a, uh, a great situation, uh, you know, something comes in from left field uh, that you didn't anticipate and blows that particular, all your assumptions up, and that's why you need to stay diversified. You okay. can't just put all your eggs in one basket. That makes a lot of sense. If you just tuned in, my guest is Rusty Leonard. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest of ours. We're talking about the question that you sent in. And if you've got a question, just send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we'll get that question out and answer it for you here on the air. What does an investment manager do? Now, you know, it's, it's absorbing an enormous amount of information, deciding what's fake news, what's real. But now, I guess, Rusty, my question being, as you just talked about important data on the economy or the individual stocks, how do you factor in politics and social tensions into what you're investing in? What I mean, that's... To me, that adds doubly amounts of, I guess, tension into the equation when you're looking at it. Well, I will say that through most of my career, uh, politics and social tension were not uh, huge factors. Uh, however, you know, with the advent of President Trump and uh, just the way the society has changed, that's been you're having to factor that in more and more and more as we go forward here. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's important now with. Uh, President Biden, uh, you know, obviously uh, the, the tensions in the media have been greatly reduced because they don't feel like they are going to attack President Biden well, like they did with Trump, where with the, you know, the assaults on President Trump and his administration and all his plans were you know, off the charts uh, loud. And now, of course, it's off the charts quiet. And so that, that factor you know, probably has diminished somewhat, but you, you know it could jump up very, very quickly again. And so it's something you have to monitor. But for the moment, uh, that is not as big of a, uh, an issue uh, that we have to factor into. Uh, the social tensions is going to be fascinating to see uh, what happens so throughout history. If you look at you know riots last year and things like that, the market was flying high while, the, while everybody was rioting uh, over the Black Lives uh, Matters movement and the George Floyd repercussions from the George Floyd death. Uh, but the market was just ignoring that. Uh, so it, there's a, there has to be, you know, the, the market will ignore uh, social discord up to a point. But if it reaches a boiling point where all of a sudden it could impact uh, commerce, generally speaking, and the economy overall, then the market will pay very close attention and probably panic a little bit about that. that so far, sense. we haven't had anything like that, but got to keep our eye out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I know everybody's wanting me to ask this question. It's kind of at the end of the table. They would say, are you going to ask it? Are you going to ask it? Okay, I'm going to ask it. <laughs> what, as an investment manager, and this is Rusty Leonard we're talking to, a frequent guest, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, been doing this for over 40 years. Man, you don't look that old either, you know? I mean, <laughs> just, but here's the thing. That's just because your your older eyes are, are deceiving. Oh, don't go Good. there, man. Don't go there. You know, <laughs> I like your picture. Let's put it that way. I know you were thirty two okay. years old when you took that. No, uh, here's the here's what here's the question. And I think a lot. What's the typical day of an investment manager really look like? I mean. You know, just get us up on a Wednesday morning. You're not going to do radio next Wednesday, but what do you do on a day-by-day basis as an investment manager? Well, you know those, that wonderful little device called a cell phone that is now, you know, has more computing power than the first computer I ever used in this business. Uh, it's right by the bedside, right? So when those eyes open up, it's not too 
not doesn't take too long before I grab that phone and start doing my work, you know, getting the information, where are the futures, what happened overnight, what news items came out overseas, uh, what are the headlines that are going to be pushing this thing. I mean, you know, within the first five to ten minutes of my day, uh, while still laying in bed, I've, I'm, I'm off to work, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't slow down uh, thereafter, right? And then I eventually get in front of my Bloomberg terminal, which is uh, even much more powerful than my cell phone, and I have just, you know, an unending supply of information. So anything I want to investigate, I can get great answers to because of the depth of this particular uh, uh, software package that all major investors utilize. And uh, it's just unbelievable. It's uh, its own little internet, you know, made for info junkies on the markets like me. And you can go in there and look at charts and graphs and data and, you know, research reports and (laughs) it just never ends. So you can, you know, you can just soak up your time very easily with the amount of information. The key thing is to figure out how to prioritize. and what What's the information that you need to know right now that are most relevant to your portfolios and that you manage for your well, clients that you're trying to help? That's the biggie, I guess. You know, in the last 30 seconds, what do you like most about what you do, Rusty? That everything matters. You're totally plugged in to what's going on in the world. Uh, you mentioned politics, social discord, all those things matter from time to time. They don't matter all the time, but at times they matter a whole lot. And uh, and so you have to be plugged in. You can't be disengaged from the world. You are – it's a vibrant life, right, because things are happening all the time. And so if you're somebody who's a high-energy person who just enjoys knowing what's going on in the world and you, you want to be a kind of an expert on uh, a whole lot of important matters, well, you know, this is the job for you because you have to do that. You have to pick up stuff and learn it quickly and, and translate it into action uh, very rapidly. Thank you, sir. I so much appreciate it. Man, it's great to have you on today. I want to thank my guest today, Rusty Leonard, Stewardship Partners, Lee Weffel with Community Mortgage, and David Rochester with Shoemaker Financial. Rusty, thank you, sir. Appreciate you, man. You always do a great job for us. Yep, I appreciate you as well. Take care. All right. If you have questions for Rusty or Lee or David, you can reach us at 757-5757, area code 901. We'll be sure to direct you to the person you need to talk to. My guest next week, Scott Jordan and I are going to talk about what the media is pushing and what you need to know. That's Saturday at 10 a.m. And again, 9 o'clock right here on KWAM, the Mighty 990, helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securion Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.